is Stacia D. And this is Jay Stan. Welcome back to In Retrospect Podcast, where we look beyond the surface to find understanding. Bring you laughs, knowledge, and culture. So sit back, relax, and join the convo. Um, we are not episode 57, y'all, and we are up to 3,000 subscribers. Thank you for those of you who have subscribed. If you have not subscribed, go ahead and smash hit the subscribe the button. button. <laughs> not smash button. Smash it. Hit the notification bell so that when we post, you know that we posted. Okay, we are back on it. It's a new year, and we're gonna make sure that we stay on schedule. Okay, so, <laughs> so, so on Christmas Day, um, the color purple came out. That it did. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it or watch it. I have not watched it. I'll be completely <laughs> honest with you. Uh, and that's completely fine. That was my choice. I did not watch it. You guys can talk about me all you want. I'm completely fine with that myself. I'm one of those people that it's hard for me to watch something that sounds like a remake, even though I was told it's not a remake, something completely different. But of course, I will let uh, Daisha D chime in on what she did see in The Color Purple. Uh, but that's just me. Everybody is different. So <laughs> I did see it. And The Color Purple is an adaptation of the Broadway play, The Color Purple. Some people didn't like it because they were like, it's amazing. But it was fantastic to me. It was fantastic. Now, while on the press tour, um, Taraji P. Henson has been sharing her concerns and grievances about the fact that Black actresses specifically are not paid nearly as much as their white peers. That I did see. Taraji P. is definitely... In my mind, in my eyes, one of the best, one of the best, I will reiterate, Black actresses that we do have. So it's important that everybody understands that, and Taraji should definitely be getting paid her just due. All right. Are you thinking about it? Um, mm. I'm just tired of working so hard, being gracious at what I do, getting paid a fraction of the cost. I'm tired of hearing my sisters say the same thing over and over. Um, you get tired. I hear people go, you work a lot. Yeah. Well, have to. The math ain't mathing. What's your reaction to that? My initial reaction is uh, what you're saying is true. Uh, if you're a person specifically with these actors, I'll say like everybody assumes like they get these big payouts when they do these roles, which is true. But then what's not being, I think, publicized enough to people to, for people to understand is that they have teams and agencies that need to be paid. So when you hear like, oh, such and such is getting paid millions of dollars for this movie. They're not getting all that money. There's percentages that are coming out of that money and then whatever is left they see granted now a lot of folks may say oh you're you know you're well off you're better off than most of us because you're getting this big old payday that's true as well no one's saying you're wrong but at the same time for someone that has had such a long illustrious career that she has had and for her to come out and say that that her pay is not changing she feels underpaid and usually when you hear things like that uh her counterparts that may be white women or whomever it may be in that industry they talk about what they're making. I mean, that's they don't want you to talk about it in the workplace, but you can obviously see and tell 
that some of this is actually, if I'm not mistaken, some of the pay that these other actresses do get is public knowledge. And if she's not getting in her mind that for what she's done so far, then it's, you know, it's an injustice, in my honest opinion. Um, Taraji has been acting since the 90s. I don't know if y'all remember, but she was one of uh, Tia and Tamara's friends on Sister Sister. Okay. It's, listen, it's now 2024. I almost said three. Caught myself. The fact that... <laughs> just like minimum wage. The fact that <laughs> she is still having to work just as hard, you know what I mean, as she did back in the 90s, that's unacceptable because when you think about it in everyday life, the average person, once they have been in a position or a, uh, I don't know, a field for 20, 30 decades, you're peeking at the top. They get to kind of sit back and relax and allow the newcomers to do that on the groundwork. And so the fact that she's been doing this since a lot of us were even born. Four. <laughs> um, and she still feels the way that she does. That's unacceptable. But I do think it's interesting because she's not the first to say this, right? Viola Davis said, why am I not making the same as Mer Meryl Streep? Mm -hmm. Why am I not um, praised in the same way as Meryl Streep? Of course, we praise her. Of course. But oh, she's good now. Don't get me wrong. She's middle good. America, right? <laughs> Um, and then Monique came out, of course, and wanted us to boycott Netflix, and everybody was like, Monique, you, you tripping. Now, get me wrong. Monique came from a, a place of uh, understanding love, and she was coming from a good place. I just believe that the message that, the, the tone and the message that was being brought across, it didn't rub a lot of folks the right way, is the best way I can say it, because... Which is crazy, because... It's wild, too. Usually, I am one to say, like, um, you know, delivery matters, and if you want people to hear but you, I don't really think she said nothing wrong. But, but that's what I'm about to say. You can't do, but in the same breath, two things can be true at the same time. You can't do someone wrong and then tell them how mad to get. So, yeah, you don't know what's going to trigger people. That is something, yeah. I mean, it kind of is what it is, but um, taking this from a Hollywood, Black Hollywood standpoint and bringing it down to us everyday folk. Um, January is Poverty Awareness Month, and so we wanted to, you know, have a discussion around that because I think a lot of times people, in their mind, they conceptualize poverty as being someone sleeping under a bridge, right. and that is a very severe case. I just want to let you guys know that poverty is about not having enough money to meet basic needs, including food, clothing, and or shelter, so when you do see somebody that is homeless, uh, let's please understand that that's not the only form of poverty. You have folks that cannot afford food but have a home, have shelter. You have folks that have clothing and or the others and missing one or two, you're still falling under a form of poverty defined by the definition. However, poverty is more, which is much that you guys can understand, is much more than just not having any money. So there's different kinds of poverty. Uh, and the way we're going to get this discussion rolling is I'm going to pose this question to everybody. Uh, what is an adequate amount of money that someone should have saved if they were to lose their job today? <laughs> so um, usually when I've seen financial advisors, like I think her name is Budgetista, they talk about, yeah, she's, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. they talk about how you have, you, 
rule of thumb is to save like three to six months, preferably six months of expenses so that if you lose your job, you have, you know, that safety net to find employment, but also be able to take care of your bills. So Most you, of us can't save. But what do you say to the person that says, it's no guarantee I'm going to be here tomorrow. I might as well spend what I want and get what I want. How are you going to tell me I should have an adequate amount of money to save? I'm just saying. That's how some people look like. Well. It's wrong? I I don't think that's smart. No. But I hope that they don't have kids or a family if they think like that. Yeah, I will say that definitely does change the game. And I, I have seen that as well as statistics saying that if you were to lose a job today, it's good for somebody to have their funds saved up for like three months uh, believe three months out without if you were not to be working having any income coming in um, that's just not the case for a lot of people like a lot of people are living like paycheck to paycheck and even with the paycheck to paycheck some of the bills still aren't getting paid so i want to pause here right so when people say paycheck to paycheck i don't think that we're considering the fact that paycheck to paycheck in my eyes means that if i don't get my check if i don't get my second check yeah. then i'm not going to be able to pay my bills i have to wait until the when people be like catch me on the 15th when people say that to me that means paycheck to paycheck and according to i want to say nbc um 60 of americans live paycheck to paycheck and then i, uh, I want to say that's even higher percentage when Probably. it comes to people uh well that too but just in general with people having money saved in their savings there's a lot of people that don't have savings at all. You can't save. <laughs> and everything's going up. <laughs> yeah, you so can't save. It's it's really crazy that in my me personally, this is my opinion, that at times we'll look down on these folks that are allegedly homeless with no shelter. But if you talk to them and ask them their stories at one point or another, they they are either had in, in these careers that make a lot of money. You're talking about lawyers, nurses, doctors, teachers. Now, I know teachers don't make that much money, but at the same time, they had income coming in and they were touching lives. That's what I look at it. But financially, is financial is also not the only form of poverty as well. What are you about to say, Dave? So I don't want to take us on a tangent, but it, it will. I mean, it's fine. Do your thing. So I work in the educational system and a part of my job this year, the superintendent has been... Um, let me be careful how I word this. <laughs> she has been emphasizing uh, the importance of attendance. Now, we all know that it is important for your child to be in school, right? That is the law. However, a lot of times, kids are just not there. It, I mean, it's we have over 300 kids that are considered chronically absent, which means that they have missed 20 days of school, right? When we went to school, that was abnormal. I feel like you might have missed one or two here and there. So part of my, one of my goals for the school year that she has placed on me is to lower that number, right? Until it's almost obsolete. Here's the issue. She'll come into the school and say, well, have you figured out what's the problem? Like why aren't kids coming to school? And finally we had a conversation I said, it's poverty. It, it's socioeconomic status because a lot of these kids and families, if you don't have housing, if you don't have food, if you don't have uh, the appropriate clothing for the season, 
you're not, it was just raining and like 40 degrees outside. If your mama doesn't have a car, you're not walking to school. So I think sometimes people don't look at all of the factors because if you are struggling financially, it's a domino effect, whether you're an adult and especially if you're a kid because it's out of your hands. That is completely true. And I just want to drop some gems on everyone that is listening really quickly. Uh, yes, these are definitions, but I also want to bring some light to the different forms of poverty. I'm only going to give you two. I'm not going to overload anybody about, oh, there's so many different kinds because there are. Believe me, once you go down that rabbit hole, you will be. You will keep going. So we just want to follow back, on, uh, piggyback on what was just said by Daisha. With absolute poverty, it's a condition where household incomes insufficient to afford basic necessities like of life, uh, which falls with under food, shelter, and clothing, uh, as well as relative poverty, where when a household receives fifty, when a household receives fifty percent less income than an average median income. So when she does say what Daisha just said is a real thing. There are a lot of situations that kids are coming from that is just not conducive for success is the best way I'll phrase that. Now, I will say when I was in school, and I'm pretty sure this may be the same for some, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it felt like the community in my eyes was a, a lot more closer and tighter in my honest opinion. Like, Folks actually knew who their neighbors were and stuff like that. Like if you had a, a child or a kid that was like lived near somebody, they actually like would go out of their way to try to get that child to come to school or vice versa when it came to anything that was going on as far as activities growing up. Nowadays, I feel like a lot, a lot more people are staying to themselves. They're not really going out of their ways to make sure that, you know, some people are helping other households with kids in a sense to bring them to school. I don't know. It just seemed like there was a bigger sense of community when I was growing up in school. Like, Oh, this kid's been missing. You'd have a parent or a child that would live in the area, go out of their way. But also teachers used to go out more and do that. But now with everything that's been going on, it just doesn't seem that safe, but you can chime in on that. I, <laughs> so that sounds wonderful, right? rainbows, butterflies, in a perfect world. However, I think that that is unfair to place the onus on the community to pick up the slack of what the government should be doing. Because if the average family, if it's four people, right, you have to make less than $30,000. That's not a lot of money in order to receive government benefits, food stamps, uh, Section 8, things like that. I, if people were given livable wages, if people were able to get that support from the government, if they didn't make the livable wages, then they would have time to watch the kids. They would have time to volunteer at the basketball uh, tryouts or whatever. Teachers would have time to stay after school and help with tutoring. But you know what they have to do? Teachers have to clock out and go to a second job to make sure that their lights stay on and their kids stay fed. So. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but you also have those folks that will say, well, you should just figure it out. You need to get the money from somewhere. You know, the government's not going to help you. and You should make that happen. But I completely agree for your child to be being taught by someone who isn't make or being paid like they should be paid, uh, because it's really interesting. Every generation that comes up, we're being told or being told you're the future. You are the future. 
But <laughs> you are the future. But what's crazy is the money isn't being put into the future as much as it should be. Not at all. No. And there are people who have the big debate about, you know, why is why is it that the funds that we may have allocated towards like foreign yeah. relations, as far as you know, sending money to other countries and things like uh, you know, for the war or whatever else, why can't they use that money? To pay off student loans or to help, because it might just put a dent in it, but to help alleviate some of that. I know that it's not going to cover all of student loans, but it would help just, just a little bit. Because the fact that y'all, we had the pandemic, which we technically still in, but you know what I'm saying. We had the pandemic, a lot of people lost their jobs. Some pandemic opioid hurt. People, people are still getting sick. People are still <laughs> people are struggling, right? Financially. And still getting laid off. And still getting laid off. And then y'all said, guess what? Here's another bill. Go ahead and pay that student loans. And they said that the average student loan repayment, you know, monthly payment people is like are, 300 something dollars. No, they people said nine million of us not did paying. not people missed the first payment <laughs> as soon as they were like, Oh yeah, you're gonna resume right now. Okay. Oh, they didn't miss it. They purposely did not pay. We're just gonna say they missed it. That's what we're that's what we're gonna roll with. Let me give the folks out there the benefit of the doubt. We're not gonna say they missed it. They just, you know Because that's a car note. I mean, what do you want from me? I mean, I'm I just saying. I understand. It's not, it's if, not I gotta if I got to choose between having a vehicle to get to this nine to five job or paying Sally Mae oh. and never seeing the money again. Also, side note, car notes aren't even three hundred something dollars anymore. Car notes are like eight, seven. Well, that's <laughs> even worse. <laughs> that's even that's even worse. They used to be three hundred something, maybe pre pre pandemic. And like during the pandemic, maybe just so they can get you to buy a vehicle or do whatever. Now, good luck. But as you can see, y'all, like it could take one health scare it's to turn your world all upside down to where you're no longer able to afford your bills. And it's not just you, it could be a family member as well, right. someone close to you that you got to take care of because you're uh, the one that. The mate was it? I'm about to tear this word of the patriarch of the family. Is that the correct word? What are you saying? Like the someone that? No, nah, I mean that too. But as well as the person that everyone looks to every time a situation gets out of hand within the family unit that they call mm -hmm. on to try to solve it or make sure that everything is helping the ship get righted. Mm -hmm. I mean, because everybody knows you have family members that you know they talk a good game, but they're not going to put the work in to help people when they're in distress. But also, again, to my previous oh, yeah, point, yeah, yeah. It's not, it shouldn't be, the responsibility shouldn't be on the person who's still struggling. Like, how we <laughs> how we both struggling and we trying to help each other, that that doesn't... I understand that some of y'all may say, well, my mom and my auntie did that back in the day. That was back in the day. We're here today, and that's not okay. And that's that's random. But... You gotta unlearn. No, no, it's not random. It's very valid. <laughs> you gotta unlearn these ways of thinking because we've been taught certain ways to think not realizing that it might not let me let me rephrase that we've been taught a certain way of thinking and we have to understand it's just not conducive to the times that we're in like it's not relevant or it can't be applied to help you move forward in today's society if anything it'll hold you back that's my that's me personally but eh, i mean it could be different now i'm gonna move on to the next question we really did take a left there moments ago. Uh, so that's what I want to pose to everybody. Why do you feel that people are numb 
to the discussion of homelessness and being underpaid when it is brought up? That is the question. I'm too busy working. Too busy working how, what do you mean? You can't sit and focus on something when you're in the thick of it. That's just like, as somebody who's in the mental health sector as well, you cannot go to therapy for trauma if you're still being traumatized. Because you can't utilize those skills. FD, can you say that again? Can you say it again? You cannot. You cannot go to therapy for trauma if you're still being traumatized. So if someone is in the thick of it, if they're at work and they're just, they go to work, they, well, they drop the kids off, they go to work, pick the kids up, go home, cook, help with homework, go to sleep and repeat. You don't have time to sit around and think about, well, man, <sighs> I wonder why things are the way that you don't. You might listen to this podcast and start to yeah. think about it, hopefully. Listen to the podcast. But yeah. if you again, if you're in the thick of it, it's it's your it's your everyday norm. Yeah. I, I agree with that to a certain extent. Um, I also believe that <clears throat> yeah, you could be in the thick of it, but at times, and this is a really hard thing for a lot of people to do. Uh, when we did talk about therapists and when you're in the thick of everything that is going on, just having time to self-reflect on like, did you accomplish everything that you wanted to get done today? I think a lot of people get caught up in the whole, I need to reach this goal, but aren't paying attention to the objectives that they need to hit before they can reach that end goal. Uh, and I think that's also what causes a lot of burnout, as well as we did talk about these uh, issues surrounding poverty. Uh, everyone's trying to, you know, of course, nobody wants to stay in those situations, but then you also run into some people that are comfortable with those situations. And with that, I was just curious to know, how do you get someone out of that mindset that's comfortable with where they're at? Um, Since they're, you know, kind of <laughs> in the thick of things. Yeah. And they wouldn't think any, there is any other way in their mind. That's, you just said it. But, I think if you you're a product of your environment. So if you grew up seeing your family struggle, then that is that's your norm. But all you can control is what you can control, which is yourself, right? So if you are somebody who is currently a single person, right? You don't have any kids or other responsibilities outside of yourself, try your very best to make decisions that are not going to be detrimental <laughs> to your to your life and as far as like finances go and things like that of course we don't have control over everything right uh but if i was talking to a high school kid i would probably say you need to probably go to trade school or go to a four-year college if that's you know whichever one works for you go ahead and get into a, a career get stable first before you start doing other things such as having babies Let's talk about why, why is it, in my honest opinion, that predominantly in the black family, when you're in high school and you're about at the age of 18 and you're being told that either you need to uh, what is it, get a job, military or or what? what like college in college. And then in some cases they say, yeah, you can't live here no more. Well, I mean. What do you mean we can't live here anymore? Like some some oh when you turn some instances when you turn eighteen, it's like you need to get one of those three things: job, military, or go to college, or you can't live here no more. Or in some cases, some households say you can't live here at all. But when you look at different, I'm talking about black people specifically right now. Just want to reiterate that. Uh, but in some 
uh, what I'll say in some cultures, you have kids that never leave the household. <clears throat> I think that's another conversation, that second part of it. But as far as getting a job, going to school or military, I think that's because it's been proven that going through one of those, you have to choose one of those paths in order to be a productive member of society. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, but then you also have these young uh, black kids that will say, oh, I'm going to be an athlete. And that's the end all be all. Everything else is. I mean, we talked about that in the um, in the episode, I think, with Coach Allen. Of yeah, definitely go back and check that out. You, in. Kids have to learn that they have to have other like a plan B and a plan C. I don't care what Will Smith said. I don't care what any of these other people who've made it have said. No, go to plan A. No, you can have dreams to do that. But isn't it like less than 1%? Oh, it's stupid low. Right? Okay. So <laughs> I'm not saying don't shoot for the stars, but at the same time, you need to make sure that you have your own back. Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest things I would tell a, a child or a kid that is in high school. Like, listen, I mean, your dreams, your aspirations, that's great, but you need to have multiple plans, at least two. Like the original plan and then the, the backup of sorts that can help you at some point elevate that to that goal that you want to reach. But as far as like sports go, I feel like a lot of people have to come to reality at some point or another. Like it's it's gonna be tough for you trying to, you know, get paid, go to professionally playing sports. And then at some point or another, I will also want to reiterate this as well that if you don't at times have the physical attributes for some of these sports. Uh, professional sports, whether it be basketball, football, hockey, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be an uphill battle. So that's something to keep in mind. You also need to make sure that you do have your your different plans. Now we do have a lot of parents that are trying to live vicariously through their kids to get them out of their situations. Uh, so, but even if you did make it as a professional athlete, or if you make it as a Hollywood actress, or if you become a teacher, social worker, therapist, construction worker. Either way, You're you still there. have to learn. You you ha We have to have some type of financial literacy. I feel like for us, we are late in the game. I know I am late in the game of learning how to properly budget so that you don't end up being in a situation where you're having to go to a shelter or you are on the street or in your car or wherever, the, you know, whatever the case may be. Oh, yeah, I completely <laughs> agree. Everybody just needs to understand that these aren't, things that can be unlearned in one day that can be learned in one day of how to live better in the sense of if you are in these situations that we did mention that you can get out of it just in uh like one day of reading something or one day of talking to someone that's consulting you to get you out of it it's, it's not a one-day process it takes a long time sometimes it's shorter for others that i mean sometimes it takes it can get resolved sooner for others than some is what i'll say uh but just understand that you are not alone. If you are watching this and you are dealing with these situations, there are plenty of people out there that are dealing with these situations. Uh, and I hope that this brought some light to everything that is going on in society and in the world and that this was very informational to everybody. I hope that this inspires you to go ahead and look into your people who are in local office and go ahead and make sure you're paying attention to, of course, to the presidential election because the things that local offices and state, like all of these politicians, they play a role in every single thing that we just talked about. 
go to these people's uh, platforms and see the issues that they, first of all, even care about. And then read, see what it is that they plan to do. Not just Trump and whoever else he's going up against, not just him, all the way down to your local office. Because again, their decisions that probably don't even impact them, they get to decide what happens with us. Yeah, but you know what they say, if you want to hide something from somebody, put it in writing, they're not going to read. I believe in y'all. I think that y'all will go to these people's platforms and really, truly, like, figure out what it is that they're planning to do. That's all I'm saying. Chime in below. Let us know your thoughts, um, questions, anything like that. I have been Daisha D. And I've been Jay Stang. Join us every other Friday. And always remember to like, comment, and subscribe.